it just in my own life, uh, the, the sin that I had, the sin that I, I thought that I would be able to overcome, the, the sin that I tried so hard to fight, it was just like useless. I couldn't, I couldn't win, but once I was filled with the Holy Spirit, once Jesus came into my life, the things I said I would never do or I would quit doing that I couldn't quit doing, once Jesus showed up with the power of the Holy Spirit, gave me that power to be an overcomer. That's what God wants every one of us to be as an overcomer. So uh, anyway, just want to remind you of that. Keep that in mind today. And uh, if you haven't received the, the power of the Holy Spirit, if you're, you're not a, a believer in Jesus, I want to encourage you to consider giving your life to Jesus Christ today. So we've got a special guest speaker today, uh, a mighty man of God, a, an evangelist, a guy that has a heart after God. I want you to give Edward Romero a warm welcome. He's going to set this place on fire. Come on, come on, Edward. We're excited about this word. Come on, man. Come on, come on. Praise God. Good morning. It is, it, it is an honor to stand before your presence this morning. I want to honor my pastor and his wife. They, they're amazing. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Come on, give it up for our pastor. He's, I, I don't know if you've been here these past two weeks, but he has done an amazing job speaking about uh, sexual abuse, healing, restoration, um, I know he, he forgot to mention Tuesday night we're having a study, we're having a group, a support group for women that have been sexually abused or raped. Um, there is a support group going on right to, the, right to the side at 6.30. Then on Thursday night, there's a men's group that's going on. And if you've been ever been hurt through sexual abuse or rape, molestation, we want to encourage you to come. Uh, we don't have the answers, but we do know who has the answers. We know who the comforter is. We know who the helper is. And we just want to introduce you to him. We want to maybe walk alongside of you and just begin to find God together. Amen? All right. So before I start, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before your presence this morning. I just pray that your spirit would speak into our lives, Lord. I stand against the enemy this morning that would want to bring distraction, that would not want us to hear this message. The words I have are not important, dear God, but the word that you have this morning is. And I just pray, Lord, that you would speak into our hearts and speak into our minds, Lord, that this morning, Lord, that your spirit would begin to bring conviction within our lives, that your spirit would begin to bring redemption within our lives, that your spirit would begin to bring salvation within our lives. We thank you this morning for your grace and your mercy. We thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I'm going to try not to rush through this, but I'm going to do this as quickly as possible. Uh, there's a topic that's been in my heart uh, for several months now. I think it actually started back when we were in a youth camp last year. There was a man by the name of Benny Pettis that gave us a really simple message, and the message was, will you put that up on the board? Love God, hate evil. Now, with that right there, if you would just grab a hold of that right there, I could stop right now, and you would understand that when you love God and you hate evil, things begin to happen in your life. We were at a men's conference in Rio Doso just a few months ago, weeks ago, and there was a pastor that had gone up with the same message, love God, hate evil, and it really began to speak into my heart. It really began, God just began to speak to me. You know when God speaks to you, 
I don't know if you can understand, when God speaks to you, it brings revelation, it brings joy. And I know that if he was speaking to me, that this morning he will speak to you also. Psalms 97 verse 10 says this, You who love the Lord hate evil. He protects the lives of godly people and rescues them from the power of the wicked. Proverbs 8.13 says this, All who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore I hate pride and arrogance, corruption, and perverse speech. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through 21 says this, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. Never be lacking in zeal. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, God began to give me a message, and God gave me a word and a story that I heard, and the story's in the Bible, but before I go into where I'm reading, before I get to that story, I just want to bring up a couple of scriptures this morning, and I want you to, I want you to understand how God gave this to me, and I, and I know this is how he wants to give it to you. Now, for a moment, I want you to just focus on these words. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 through 5 says this, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. The message this morning, I believe, is a strong message. It is a message that God wants us to hear and understand and apply it to our lives. I believe that this morning God has not given us a message or not giving us a word to apply to someone else's life. It's so easy to stand on the outside and judge someone and pour judgment on someone. I love what Pastor said last week. You are sitting in a room full of sinners, myself included. Those words just came alive last week as he began to speak them. He began to speak about sin, heterosexual, homosexual, whatever sin may be in our lives, what makes us think we're better than someone else because that sin has not affected us. Don't we know that when it comes to God and his eyes, sin is sin. 
There is no level of sin. Sin is sin. Whether you hate, whether you're proud, whether you're in idolatry, adultery, drug it, if you're a drug addict, it does not matter. Sin is sin. There is no sin that is above another sin in God's eyes. Sin is sin. The Bible says in Romans that the wages of sin is death. We have to understand that the sin in our lives leads to death in Christ. We have to know that God wants us to hate evil and love him. There is no secret. It's really easy. If we love God, we're going to hate evil. And this morning, I'm going to talk, we're going to go to the book of Numbers, chapter 25, and I'm just going to go a little bit on a prelude of what happened here. Now, the Israelites had moved into Moab, and in moving into Moab, there were so many Israelites that Balak began to become worried of what was going to happen. So Balak hired a prophet and brought him down, his name was Balaam, and brought him down and was willing to pay him and wanted to pay him that he would pray and put a curse on the people of Israel. Number one, because they were God's people. Everywhere they walked, they prospered. Number two, when they moved into a valley, there were so many of them that he knew that it would just be a matter of time before the Israelites overtook them. So there was a fear in his heart, and what he did was not because of I want to say that the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Sometimes it's not the neighbor that hates us. It's the enemy working. It's the higher places that are working in our lives trying to bring us down. And here we are in a place where Israel has just moved in. Balak has hired a prophet, brought him in, and Balaam is now, every time he would open his mouth to curse God pulled him aside. In fact, this is the same Balaam, if you, if, if you know your Bible, if, if you know the Bible stories, this is the same Balaam that he was on his donkey, and as he was going down to meet Balak, this is the same Balaam that when he, when, when he got to a certain place, the donkey stopped, wouldn't go any further, he jumped off the donkey and began to beat it. Three times he was beating the donkey, and the donkey all of a sudden spoke to him. And said, what are you doing? And, and yet, he wasn't smart enough. He didn't see it. He's like, what do you mean what am I doing? I need to go down there. I'm like, at that point, I'm like, whoa, the donkey just spoke. Something's up here. But he didn't see that. He began to, to, to go on why he was going down there. This is that same Balaam. In fact, in, I, I want to point out, I'll just point that out in just a second. The Bible, the Bible refers to Balaam, just, so, just to make this clear, the Bible refers to Balaam in later, in later scripture in the book of John and the book of Revelation as being a, a false prophet. What he was doing, he was doing for monetary gain. He was willing to curse the people of God for money. And every time he would open up his mouth, instead of the curses coming out, God changed his words and he began to bless them. And that angered Balak, angered him a lot. But in Numbers chapter 25... Something began to happen to the Israelites. While Israel was staying in Shittim, the men began to indulge in sexual immorality with the Moabite women. who invited them to the sacrifices of their gods. The people ate the sacrificial meal and bowed, before, and, and bowed down before these gods. So Israel yoked themselves to Baal of Peor, 
And the Lord's anger burned against them. See, Balak could never pay enough money to Balaam to curse Israel. The anger of the Lord showed itself in a plague that began to strike down thousands of Israelites. And we're going to read that here in just a second. But what the enemy could not accomplish, now understand this, when the enemy comes against us, he has no power. You guys need to understand this. When the enemy comes against us, he has no power. Satan does not have power. But we give him that power, just like Israel did. We give him that power when we begin to disobey God. When the enemy could never accomplish against Israel, Israel did itself through disobedience, the same Israel did to itself through disobedience. The same principles work among the people of God today. The mightiest attack of Satan can never do as much damage as our own sin and rebellion against God. Verse 4, the Lord said to Moses, take all the leaders of these people, kill them and expose them in broad daylight before the Lord, so that the Lord's fierce anger may turn away from Israel. So, the Moses, so Moses said to, the Israel's, to Israel's judges, each of you must put to death those of your people who have yoked themselves to Baal of Peor. Verse 6. Verse 6. Then an Israelite man brought into the camp a Midianite woman right before the eyes of Moses and the whole assembly of Israel. While they were weeping at the entrance to the tent of the meeting, we have to understand why were they weeping at the, at, the, at the entrance to the tent? Because God's anger was so fierce against what the Israelite people had done that he had brought a plague upon them. They were getting sick and they were dying, not because of the curse that Balaam put on them, not because of what the enemy could do to them. They were, this plague was brought upon them because they allowed sin into their camp and they began to perform this sin it was a ritual now I think about this I want to jump real quick to Revelation chapter 2 verse 14 says this but I have a few things against you because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. So even though God did not curse them, Balaam explained to Balak exactly what he needed to do to bring them down. Because Balaam, Satan, understands that we are a fleshly people. When it comes to sin, the Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a moment. I'm not going to lie to you. Sin in our lives becomes pleasurable. Sin in our lives, we take our focus off God, and sin becomes pleasurable in our eyes. Take David. David was a man of God. The Bible says that when he was young, he was out in the field, and as, as Samuel began to go in looking for the next king to anoint, he went through six sons and could not find a son to anoint. And yet, in the field... 
there was one more son, so Samuel called for him. And it was David, and the Bible said that David was young. Many scholars think he was between 10 and 15 years old. The Bible's not exact on how old he was when God went to him. But this is exact. The Bible says that when David was 30 years old, from that anointing that took place in his youth, 30, when he was 30 years old, 15 to 20 years later, God anointed him and placed him as the king of Israel. So for 15 to 20 years, he had to stand before God. The thing that comes to my mind about David is that he loved God. He knew God. When the giant champion from the Philistines came out into the field named Goliath, and David just happened to be out on the sidelines talking to his brothers, delivering them something to eat, he heard the giant speaking against his God. Inside of him was such a zeal, inside of him was such an anger that he said, how can you guys allow this to happen? And they began, they gave every excuse in the book. Look how big he is. Look how ugly he is. Are you kidding me? If I went out there, he'd break me in half. And they began to explain to him that all they were looking for was one man to go against him and defeat him. Well, David had such a zeal. He said, I'll do it. Send me, I'll do it. And right away the king was looking for anyone, just one person, willing to stand before the giant. It clouded his judgment that there was this little boy, the Bible says he was good looking, he was young, he was handsome, kind of like me, good looking, young, handsome. And the Bible says that he went to the creek and he began to draw his stones. And he drew his stones, and the Bible says he went, and he didn't go in his own strength. He says, by the strength of the Lord. And he goes before the giant, and the giant is telling him, what is it, this dog is coming against me? Are you guys crazy? That's just a kid. And David's there knowing that he has the Spirit of God behind him. The Spirit and the anointing of God is within him. And he picks up these stones. And even though the king gave him his sword and his spear and his shield and everything that he had to fight this giant, David said, I don't know how to fight like that. This is how I know how to fight. And he went to go get his stones. He left the shield behind. He left the, the armor behind. He left the sword behind. He left the spear behind. And he took the stones in his hand with his slingshot and stood against the enemy, stood against the giant, not in his own strength, but stood in the power of God. See, David knew God. He loved God. The Bible said he had a heart after God's own heart. David loved God and he hated sin. But forward a few years later, and here's David standing on the roof of his home, just looking around, admiring all that he had. See, Israel was a nation that was at war. And David was back home because now David's mentality, David's thought process had changed. And no longer was it important for him to be in the front battle fighting besides his men, leading his men. Now he would send them out. And as he's standing on the roof, begin to lose the love, the relationship, the intimacy he had with God. And he looked down and saw a woman who was bathing in the nude, and he couldn't take her eyes off of her. The Bible says he called her in, got her pregnant. After he got her pregnant, he got scared, brought her husband down, tried to cover up his sin when the husband wouldn't, 
wouldn't comply with what he had planned in his heart and in his mind. He had the husband put to death. You see, when we lose the love we have for God, and we don't hate evil, we begin to look to the evil, and we're complacent with that evil. We're okay with that evil. It's really easy to see the sin in someone else's life, but have you looked at the sin in your own life? We're going to go on here. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take the leaders of these people, kill them, and expose them in broad daylight before the Lord, so that the Lord's fierce anger may turn away from Israel. Here is the out. There is sin in the camp. Israelites are dying. A plague has come in. And now God has spoken to Moses and given them an out. He gave them the answer they were looking for. How do we get rid of this plague? They're, they're, they're outside the tent and they're praying and they're crying and they're weeping before the Lord. How do we get out of this? And God gives them an out right here. Take all the leaders of these people, kill them, expose them in broad daylight before the Lord so that the Lord's fierce anger, anger may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to Israel's judges, Each of you must put to death those of, those of your people who have yoked themselves to Baal of Peror. Then an Israelite man, this just bewilders me, but then I look at my own life, and sometimes, we feel like we are invincible. Sometimes when we take our eyes off the Lord and we play with sin in our lives, things we thought we would never do, things we thought we could stand one day and say, I will never. But when you take your eyes off of God, and you entice sin in your lives, the unspeakable begins to happen. Then an Israelite man brought into camp, brought into the camp a Midianite woman, right before the eyes of Moses and the whole assembly of Israel. While they were weeping at the entrance of the tent of meeting, when Phineas, son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw this, he left the assembly. When Phineas, son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw this, he left the assembly and took a spear in his hand. I don't know where to buy a spear, so this is going to have to do took a spear in his hand. The Bible says, and followed the Israelite into the assembly, took the spear in his hand, okay, he took the spear in his hand and followed the Israelite into the tent. He drove the spear into both of them right through the Israelite man and into the woman's stomach. Then the plague against Israel was stopped. But those who died in the plague numbered 24,000. 
the Lord said to Moses, Phineas, son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, has turned my anger away from the Israelites. Since he was as zealous for my honor among them as I am, I did not put an end to them in my zeal. Therefore, tell him I am making my covenant of peace with him. He and his descendants will have a covenant of lasting priesthood because he was zealous for the Lord. He was zealous for the honor of his God and made atonement for Israel. So here's Phineas seeing what he saw, seeing the abomination that was taking place right in front of Israel in the tent. The Bible says, And into the stomach of the woman. And in that moment, God was satisfied. God saw a man who was zealous for him. God saw a man who was willing to lay down what everyone else thought. And took up his spear. Some versions say javelin. Took up his javelin and went right behind them. Well, they were in this sexual immorality and drove it right through the man and the woman at the same time. And the Bible says the anger of the Lord was turned away from Israel. And Phineas was blessed for what he had done. I read you Matthew a little earlier to tell you this, it is not our job to judge our brother or sister. Don't you dare get a spear and go after your brother and sister. That's not what this message is about. This message is about the sin in our lives. Taking the sin in our lives, realizing what it is, and driving a spear through it. Saying enough is enough. You know what happens? You know what repentance is all about? Repentance is saying, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. Getting that spear, hitting it as hard as you can, and never turning back to that sin again. That is what repentance is. Repentance is not saying, I'm sorry. Next time I'll do better. Repentance is taking that spirit saying, God, enough is enough. We need people that are zealous for God, that are going to live for God, that are going to put God above all else, turn their face from evil and say, God, here I am. I love you, Lord. I need you, Lord. You are my all in all. God, I want to please you. I want to live according to your word. I don't need the evil in my life. That is what God is looking for. Phineas was zealous for God. I want to tell you, church, there was a word that Steve spoke to me on Thursday night. This word is important. It's a powerful word. Remnant. There is a remnant of people that are going to stand up for God in the last days. And there will be a revival in this nation. It is in the Word of God. But we need to be zealous for God. Church, we need to turn away from our sin. Stop looking at everyone else. Because the world is doing it doesn't mean it's okay for me to do it. Because it's on TV, that doesn't mean it's okay. Because it's in a song, doesn't mean it's okay. Because I read it, doesn't mean it's okay. 
I need to go to the Word of God and find out what He has for my life. And when I can have that zeal and say, God, I love You so much. Here it is. It's Yours. Take it. I don't want it anymore. You see, I understand one thing. Pastor spoke on this earlier. It is not, I can't do it on my own. Understand, I can't do it on my own. I've been in sin. Deep, dark sin. And I know the only reason that I came out was because I had a powerful God that the moment that I stuck that spear in that sin, God said, here I am. And I am only able to stay away from that sin in my life because of His Holy Spirit. Because of His saving grace. Because of His strength. That is the only way that I can stay away from the sin in my life. That is the only way to stay from falling back into sin. We have to understand that God has a plan for our lives. And when we can say, God, here I am. God, here is my sin. God, take it from me. That's when God begins to move in our lives. I'm reminded of the story of Joseph. Same thing as Daniel. Different results. Here we go. And Joseph was promised a great, he had a great dream. He was standing over his brothers. And they were all bowing before him. And yet, in the time that God showed him that to the day that it happened, there were many, many, many years that went in between. He was sold into slavery. You have to, I want you to understand that when God shows you something, when God promises you something, it doesn't happen in that moment. There is a process that we have to go through. There are things that we haven't learned yet that we need to learn in that process. Sometimes we're in sickness and God doesn't remove the sickness from us the moment that we pray because there is a process that he wants us to go through so that we can not only get our healing, but more importantly for that spiritual healing to come in, for that spiritual awakening to come in, for that closeness to come in. What good is it if you're sick and you go to God and you say, God, heal me, he heals you, and you grow your way and fall into sin again? I believe that when God allows things to come into our lives, that he has a plan and a purpose, whether it's bad or good. The Bible says he uses the good and bad in our lives to take us where he wants to go. And sometimes we go through these processes, we go through these things so that God can build up our ministries so that we can build a relationship with God, so we can understand who He is, what He's done in our lives, and how He's going to use us. I never thought, I never thought in all that I had done that I would be able to use the sin in my life as a witnessing tool. That it would have brought me so close to God that I would understand what it's like to be broken to feel the shame and guilt, to want to give up on life, to want to take my life. And God used that process in my life that I could minister to others. He used that process in my life so that I could understand grace and mercy and a loving hand. God wants to use you, church. I love what Jason said this morning. Who is the greatest among thee? The Bible says, as Jesus asked, who was the greatest among these? Who? The disciples begin to argue and quarrel with one another. Well, surely it must be I. I'm the good-looking one. No way, it's me. He called me out of the boat. It's got to be me. Oh, no, no, you don't understand. I'm John the Beloved. I always have my head on his chest. 
He's got to love me more. I can imagine the quarreling going on, and yet God says, no, the one who serves, he who serves is the greatest among you. Church, we need to rise up. We need to read our word. We need to understand what God is telling us. We need to examine the sin in our lives. Don't look at anyone else. This morning, this morning was not for your neighbor. This morning's message is for you. Now, I want to say something here real quick. Don't act all high and haughty because you can say this morning, I have no sin. The Bible says this. The Bible says, for those that know to do good and do it not, it is sin. So maybe you're not in idolatry. Maybe you're not in alcoholism. Maybe you're not addicted to pornography. Maybe there's all these sins that you're not involved with. But when God speaks to you, are you being obedient to God? When God asks you to go to that man in the corner and not only give him money, but give him a word of encouragement, do you walk away saying, oh, that must not be for me, God. You know I don't deal with those people very well. When God takes you to a group of teenagers and asks you to give them a word of life, oh, but I'm not the youth pastor. I can't do that. That's Jason's job. When God's asking you at the store to pray for someone and that doubt comes in and you say, oh, that can't be for me. No way, that can't be for me. And you turn away. You see, I come to realize this, and this is God speaking to me. As good as we think we are, we think we have it together. We think everything is milk and honey. But God says, if you know to do good, if you know to do good, I'm going to say this with a lot of caution. There is such a conviction in my heart and in my life on my wife to do the will of God. I find myself consumed with the things of God. I'm not saying I'm not a sinner. I'm not saying I'm perfect. But how are the lost going to hear about an almighty God if I won't be his voice? He didn't tell me to reach everyone, but it's my responsibility to reach those around me. I'm not the one going to all nations, but I'm in Judea. I'm at home doing all I can for God. And I'm not lifting myself on a pedestal because I fall way short. I'm telling you right now, I fall, I fall way short of what God has called me to do. I sin like any other man. I doubt God like any other man. But I know this, I love God with all my heart. I'm in love with God as I know some of you are. And this morning I want to say, we're running out of time, but this morning I want to say, 
I want you to examine what God has told you this morning. This morning we're going to have an old-fashioned altar call. God is leading me to this this morning. I wasn't sure, but I really feel we need to do this this morning. Again, I'm going to say that everyone in here, all of us, we're all sinners. So if you come to this altar, you're just one of us. Imperfect. But this morning, I invite you to this altar. I want you to, for a brief moment, pray that God would show you the sin in your lives. There are moments in our lives when there are things that we do that we think are okay. I'm, rem I'm reminded of a testimony of a man that I, that I know and I love dearly. He tells me, for this many years after I became a Christian, I did drugs, I smoked the pot, I, I, I drank, I, I smoked weed. And then one day, one day, one day God showed me one day God showed me that that was wrong. One day God told me that that was wrong. And the moment that I went before God, and I presented it before God, and He spoke to me, that day, there was a miracle in my life. I've never craved it. I've never done it from that day forward. Those are the kind of miracles that rest upon us going before the Lord and saying, Lord, Show me. Pray this morning. The Bible says it all sin. It's crazy. This is, this is insane. I'm going to tell you guys something. I was at work on Friday. And my boss, he's an atheist, doesn't believe in God. He knows I'm a Christian. He studied theology for years and years and years. And in the middle of one of our meetings, he says, look up. He began, he began to speak on you know, we're, we're, going through, we're, we're going through things and, you know, there's all kinds of stuff going on. And he says, he begins to quote scripture and he said, look it up, look it up, look it up. Told every single one of us, look it up. And the scripture that he had told us to look up was, everything done in secret comes to light. Everything done in secret comes to light. This morning there are those of you that have sin in your lives and maybe God hasn't shown it to you. But I want to tell you something. When you begin to get that zeal for God, when you can examine your life and come before the Lord and say, Lord, here I am. Lord, take it from me. Because I couldn't get away from that sin on my own. I failed just like anyone else. But when I was, you know, when enough is enough, when enough is enough, just like Phineas, when enough is enough, you're going to bring that into the house of God. Enough is enough. And he takes a spear and right there takes out that sin. And in that moment, the Bible says that the plague stopped. I want you guys to know something. There are curses in our lives that we allow to come in because of the sin that we entertain. Some of those curses are passed on generation from generation to generation because the same Sin that my father or your father begin to entertain. The same sin that a father's father begin to entertain. We allow that to come into our lives and we entertain it. But the Bible says that that day Phineas, when he took that spear, he broke the curse. He broke the curse that was in Israel. And the Bible says that God said he would bless him 
and his children's children for generations, and they would be the royal priesthood of Israel. Today, if not for anything else, we owe our children, we owe our grandchildren to come to this altar and say, God, enough is enough. Here is my sin. Take it from me. So I want you all to stand. And those of you that want to come to the front, I want you to come to the front. You're not coming before man. You're coming before an almighty God. Present your need. Present your weakness right before God. He will meet you right where you're at. He knows exactly what you need. He will break the sin in your life. Chains are gone. I've 
God my Savior has ransomed me and like a flood His mercy Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, let's just lift up a shout of praise. We serve a great God. I mean, our God is a great, great, great God. Amen. Amen. So uh, normally this would be our communion Sunday. And so uh, if you want to just go over to the table, Steve and Chain are back there serving communion. If you want to take communion before you leave, we invite you to do that. For the rest of you that need to leave, you can leave right now. Our worship team is going to continue to lead us in worship. And uh, I just want to just bless you. I just, uh, may, the, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. And may he give you his peace. Now, next Sunday is going to be a, a good Sunday here. It's Father's Day. Got, um, you know, it's going to be awesome Sunday. Got a great word for you. Got uh, the rodeo tickets for you. I want to encourage you to come. Bring somebody with you. And on your way out, just go to somebody that you don't know. Tell them that you're glad that they're here. Give somebody a high five, a fifth fist bump. God bless you guys. Want to just tell you that we love you today.